G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, in recent times, you've been hearing us talk about inspirational stories on 2020, encouraging us all to think bigger. Another big story to explore today with a special guest who wanted to be a professional surfer, but felt a call to do something for God and went on to found a global media and advertising company. His story is told in a new book described as a business book and autobiography in one. Matt Danswan's company, Initiate Media, came into existence in May 2003, acquiring what was at the time Australia's leading non-denominational Christian magazine called Alive Magazine. This was quickly followed up with the acquisition of Christian Woman magazine, the acquisition of the Christian Business Directory, owned and published by Hillsong, and with a further string of acquisitions and launches, Matt Danswan and Initiate Media were quickly becoming the Southern Hemisphere's leading Christian publisher. Well, these days, the internet, including technology like iPads and eBooks, have given media companies the opportunity to open up new markets and areas that were once not possible. Matt Danswan is the CEO of Initiate Media. He's released a book telling his own inspiring story. It's called Not Business as Usual and released through, you guessed it, his own publishing company, Ark House Press. Let me make a special welcome to Matt Danswan. Matt, welcome to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Really good to be with you this morning. Matt, if we were going to name all of the brands that come under your media business, uh, we'd take a long time, but uh, I've mentioned a few of them there. Uh, What other ones would you say uh, many listeners would be very familiar with? Oh, look, that's a great question. I think, um, yes, certainly, certainly Christian Woman, uh, MyChristianDaily.com is a new site that we, we own and produce. Um, yeah, the Christian business directory that was, um, you know, as you quite rightly mentioned, um, acquired from Hillsong. Um, uh, we also do a lot of web development and graphic design work and branding for a lot of Christian organizations called Initiate Agency. I'd probably dare say a lot of our, um, our brands are not known by the average person out there on the street. We tend to do a lot of work. While well, we have got, obviously, things like MyChristianDaily.com and, and Christian Woman uh, at Ark House, we do a lot of work behind the scenes as well in terms of, you know, building apps or building websites or, you know, doing a lot of consulting work in that sort of area for churches. Which Christian is another? Some people might know WitchChristian.com.au, which is the, um, the, the magazines of uh, schools, college, the Witch Christian School, Witch Christian College, Witch Christian Mission. Um, that's become part of our stable uh, middle of this year. So... Yeah, there's a few more, but they're probably at least the ones that people may have may have heard of in, in passing. Well, we may mention a few more as we go on our conversation because just knowing there are resources like yours, uh, which will be conveying all sorts of great insights as to what it is to live a Christian life. And as you've mentioned, those 
websites, those publications. No doubt listeners will be very interested to check some of those out. Matt, take us back to your teenage years because your story really starts when you wanted to be a professional surfer and you had a call from God to go in a different direction. But take us back to your teenage years and those days aspiring to be a professional surfer. Yeah, yeah, sure. I guess going back one step further, and I'll I'll just touch briefly on this, on how I got to be so involved in surfing. My parents um, divorced when I was four, and um, my dad met another lady, and um, they ended up buying a beach house, and I mean like on the beach. So, and then because of where they bought their home, mum bought nearby in the same suburb about a probably 10, 12-minute walk, in the suburb of Narrabeen, which is in Sydney, and that's a beachside suburb. So my upbringing started being in the uh, being in the ocean, just you know, living on the beach. And my mum was only a block away from the beach. So so just going back prior to my teenage years, I was I had a lot of exposure to the ocean uh, because of that that upbringing. So yeah, fast forwarding to my teenage years, um, naturally I spent a lot of time in the ocean. Uh, back in those days, naturally, we didn't have all the kind of fortnights and computer games and, um, and social media that, you know, I see my children and other children spending, you know, often too much time on and, you know, neglecting things like sports. So when I was growing up, you either played footy, cricket, maybe basketball, and in the case of where I lived, you went surfing. So it was a really natural fit living on the beach there that um, I would spend most of my years growing up surfing. Um, with that naturally came, um, uh, you know, some pretty good results. I, I, to be honest, I was probably already a fairly, I think there might have been a talent there. It wasn't just hours in the water. I could naturally feel when I was in the water that I had some sort of talent to, to, to do this sport. Um, I was at that young age competing and sometimes beating against some boys who went on to actually make the tour. So I was really in that mix in those early days to, to you know, if I really kept on that path and that trajectory, then then certainly it was in definitely within reach to be on the on the pro tour. Interestingly, isn't it that while you had these aspirations to become a professional surfer, and uh, let's put surfing into the realm of uh, being an athlete for a few moments. Some people might dispute that and say, well, it's just a nice pastime uh, being out there uh, bobbing around in the waves. But there is this certain uh, drivenness that can come with the aspiration to be an elite athlete uh, that can actually overflow into uh, being an astute and skilled and driven business person. Uh, do you think there's a connection here? Uh, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, with my children, uh, I've got four children. Um, one's only 18 months old, so we'll give her a few years. But certainly with my children, I really try and help them to stay in some competitive sport because I agree the skills that it takes to get to the top of any sport you're learning as a child, you're learning or a teenager, you're learning discipline, skills and ethic that many other kids that are sitting around watching, you know, Fox Kids or on their phone or whatever it might be, watching, looking at social media all day. Those kids aren't getting exposure to, um, to, to you know, winning and losing. And, and you know, the thing is, I, I heard someone say recently, which I really agree with, is that um, when, you're, when you're growing up in competitive sport, you actually start to realise how hard life is. Because the competition is just so tough. Um, even just on the weekend, my my uh, youngest boy, who's just turned nine, was in a in a uh, surfing competition. He does a whole lot of competitions, and we travel a fair bit. And the competition level at that age is just astounding. 
and he is growing up, learning a grip that if he does not go on to do anything with his sport, he's going to get a grip about him. So, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and, you know, many people could look on at surfing and think, look, it just looks like it's a whole lifestyle sport. And, and there's two sides to surfing. There is that side where people just want to go surfing all day and do as little work as possible to achieve that goal. But then there's the other side where if you're a competitive surfer, you are, as you rightly said, you are an athlete. And these days, the guys and girls at the top level, they are elite athletes. They can hold, in terms of their fitness levels, etc. they can hold themselves against some of the fitter athletes in the world. So it is a very, very hard sport. You've got to be exceptionally fit. Um, very hard to win and lose. Um, you know, judge the oceans. So yes, you, I agree. You really do a, do a learn a lot by it does absolutely spill over into other parts. And, and hey, it might not be business. You might go into ministry. You might go into being in the medical field, whatever field you go into. I think it just instills that real hard work ethic in you that if you want to achieve anything in life, you're going to really have to roll your sleeves up and, and, and dig in. Sport and business, sport and Christian ministry, there is a mix. And I like your thoughts on competitiveness because I think there's been some prevailing thought in some Christian circles where the idea of being competitive uh, for some has sounded like it's not being very Christian. In actual fact, competitiveness and the idea of resilience, uh, these are sorts of terminologies that we can see uh, scattered right throughout the scriptures. And uh, and uh, so from my perspective, I think competitiveness is something that's necessary uh, to be able to create that resilience in whatever we put our hands to. Let me ask you, Matt, when you're bobbing around on the waves looking for the perfect wave, uh, what does the call of God sound like or feel like uh, when you recognize that there's a new aspiration that you have uh, to do something great for him? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, because one of the reasons I did drift away from surfing is because of the exposure I had to the ocean and the amount of time I spent in it. I, I watched on and watched a lot of people go to the extreme that we were talking about before and then not do anything with their life because they enjoy the ocean so much. And I always thought that's not ever going to be me. I, I, I you know, Neil, it's hard to say. Uh, I think, how do you say that when God puts a call on your life, he puts a call on your life. And you, it, you, there's no rhyme or reason. So somebody could be working as a doctor, for example, and loving their work and deciding that all of a sudden they're going to give that up and they're going to go and work in a charity. But it doesn't make any sense. Um, and, but, but something inside them burns for that. So, yeah, I, I think for me, um, I, like for me in my own world and where next steps are going to be, it's always just listening to God. And for me, he always talks with a passion and he talks with a vision. So I could, like, for example, I could be sitting here talking to you and get off the phone and all of a sudden think, hang on, God's talking to me about somehow I'm going to go and be a missionary in India. Now, that doesn't scare me because I know that if he does call me to be a missionary, all these aspirations that I might have sitting here right now would all of a sudden pale into you know, insignificance because I'm now got this new vision to just go over to Africa or India or whatever it might be and start saving lives and that's that how it might be. So, but for me, certainly while I'm bobbing up and down on the, on the waves and to this very day, what I love about the ocean is that when I sit out in the ocean, it's just God and I. Even if I'm out in the water with my sons or whatever and there's other people out there, I'm still out there on my own and I just feel, 
I feel like everything levels in the ocean. I feel like I can just hear God talking to me and just saying, just go over that way a bit. Not necessarily in the surf, that is, in life. Just go over that way a bit. Tighten that over a little bit there. Redo this. And yeah, by the time I get out of the ocean, I feel at peace. I've spent time with God. And um, so for me, yeah, it's just a life of being in the ocean. is That's my place where I'm at my, my greatest peace. And Matt, do you still take spare time and bob around on the waves uh, looking for the perfect wave? Is this still part of your uh, routine of getting alone with God, of recognizing, you know, the, uh, the importance of his creation, uh, having a listening ear to him while you're out on the waves? Yeah, it's funny you should ask that. I, I went through a period of about maybe 10 years where, maybe 12 actually, where this company, and this is, I guess we'll get to this later, but you know, like sometimes when God calls you to do something, that it, it's not easy and it comes at a very high price. And I probably spent, yeah, probably about a 10-year period where I didn't go surfing. And that was just a couple of reasons. One was the sheer stress of the organization I was running. Secondly, I had very young children at the time and, you know, we had three children two years apart. So by the time my third child was born, we had three children under four. So home was just crazy. My wife needed me around to help. So, but absolutely. And, and, and funnily enough, with this book that, that has been released, that's why it's got a surfing cover on it because um, to this very day, I, I would probably be in the water two or three times a week. Uh, so yeah, it, it is still a great part of my life to, to this day. Now, I'm probably a little different to most guys in their 40s because, um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I have a son who's in competition surfing and he really is one of the leading juniors of his age. And so we are forced to go to the beach, whereas I probably wouldn't make some of that time if I had my choice, if that makes sense. You know, I've got so much on. We still have an 18-month-old child. I could I could do, spend a lot more time working, but I'm forced to take my son to coaching and competition. So, yeah, I made a decision at the start of the year that, I'm paddling out. If I go to the beach and take him to the beach, I'm going in the water as well. Um, because prior to that, there's many times I wouldn't go in the water because I would be feeling anxious about something or stressed about something or I would stand on the shoreline and answer emails because I was so busy. And I thought, you know what? A new change in 2018. Life is quick. Um, you've got to find those things that you enjoy. You must bring some lifestyle into what you do. You can't just work, work, work. So, yes, absolutely, I'm, I'm in there a good two, three, four, sometimes five times a, a week, but generally early morning or maybe the late afternoon. And I guess that's the flexibility you have when you are, when you are the boss. You can sneak out and, um, you know, you, you've got it on your mind 24-7. So if you do go and have an hour, an hour surf in the afternoon, uh, I guess you've earned the right to do that. Well, there are some good things about being the boss. Let me come back to the business and the book. It's called Not Business as Usual. And from that first acquisition, it seems to be uh, with all of the brands that are in the stable these days uh, that you've had enormous growth. And I wonder whether you can give us a little idea of just this is a, a significant growth, whether it's acquiring new businesses or launching new businesses uh, over the past uh, 14, 15 years. This has been very significant. Give us an idea of what it's like when things are growing, perhaps even beyond what you can really keep up with. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and, and again, just one step further, I never, I never wanted or set out to be in Christian media or Christian publishing. It was never on my bucket list. I did want to be a publisher, and I know you've probably read a little of the book, and so you'd know that what burnt in my heart was, or desire in my heart was, publishing. 
not Christian publishing, but publishing. And I thought I was going to go down the, the general path of a lot of business people in the church, for example, where you're out there running a business in the mainstream, and then you're bringing income into the church to help support ministry. That was where I was heading, and I was entirely comfortable with that. Never felt overawed being in the secular marketplace. Um, and even today, I find doing business in the Christian marketplace identical to doing business in the mainstream marketplace. You have to win the business. You have to supply the work for the client. Sometimes the client's happy. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes the client doesn't pay their bills on time. Like, nothing changes. It is business as usual in that regard. But, but coming uh, further forward, we didn't set out to build what we built what happened is we started with a live magazine, which for those readers who, um, listeners, sorry, who might be a little older, a live magazine was on being prior to that. So when we took this magazine on, it was a 30-year-old magazine. It was closing. We didn't go out of our way to go into Christian media. Um, my wife was working at a church at the time. She said, hey, this Christian magazine is closing. I wrote to the publisher. He, he called me the next day that he got the letter um, I flew to Melbourne, we acquired the magazine and thought, that's great. Then very quickly we started realising, hey, there's a lot of unsold advertising space in this magazine. There's another magazine called Christian Woman. They really need to work together to make this viable operation. So then, you know, again, explained, I explained in the, in the book how that came about. We then took on Christian Woman. Then the opportunity moved to go into book publishing because really there wasn't a major Australian Christian book publisher, yet there was two major Christian retailers who were doing tens of millions of dollars of, of book sales a year. In fact, they were into the, they would have hit the 100 million probably between the two of them. Um, and, and yet there was no major Christian book publisher. So just, just things just kind of keep dropping in without me even to have to set some business plan of, right, we're going to build all these things. Ideas just kept coming. Even the, the, the Christian business directory, I, I must be honest, I had dreamt of, of buying that or owning that because it's just such a great fit for our, our, our operation. And then one Friday night, randomly, two friends of ours came over for dinner happened to go to the Hillsong Church in the city, in Sydney, where this directory was all kind of run out of and said, hey, Hillsong are looking at selling the directory, just more from a conflict of interest issue in case a builder did a job and ripped the client off and something went wrong or a financial planner invested a church member's money in the wrong place, lost their money and the church would have some sort of, like everyone would blame the church. And so this, again, another thing just came from out of the blue. And, and I can point to nearly everything we've done, and they've just, with every acquisition, it has just been. I, sometimes I look back at what we've created, and my wife and I just kind of laugh and go, God is amazing. Like, here we are, just two humble servants raising, and, you know, for all of this time, I hadn't even been to work full time. We had three young children. My wife was going to the office a lot of the time because she was the art director. I was doing much of the work from home, and I used to sort of kind of just chuckle with God that we built a seven-figure business and I was basically working part-time. So it's just, it's just incredible what could happen in your life when you really give God your talents and you give Him your dreams and you say, there you go, God, it is yours, and, but I'll do the hard work. I'll work really, really hard. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating to look back now and see how far we've come when we didn't literally have a business plan um, even to this day, opportunities are coming up, but I barely even have a business plan this day, these days. I've got some rough sketches of where I think we're going to be, but God keeps just bringing in connections of somebody who wants to do this or wants to do that. And yeah, the doors keep opening for us without us necessarily having to 
force, force doors open, as it were. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. We're hearing Matt Danswan's story. He is the CEO of Initiate Media. His new book is called Not Business as Usual. Matt, as we talk through the idea of business, there's this certain thought called conventional business. And sometimes you don't really get to know what that model is until you are older. When you kicked off business, your business career as a teenager, you probably didn't know uh, what conventional business was supposed to look like. And so you were sort of venturing into territory and uh, with your faith in God, and so not really encumbered by a whole lot of baggage that you might carry. Give us a little bit of an insight into uh, the idea of being a Christian and being in business, recognizing that God has a role to play that some are trying to leave out of their business. Yeah, look, that's, that's a great question. If I just go back quickly a step, I think um, it's kind of funny the Bible says come to me like little children. And the reason for that is because the older you get, the more you try to, you try to reason and you try to understand and then you try to bring your intellect and all those things into it. And you go, no, it doesn't work. It's not right. The Bible says come to me as little children because you, you think of things in a simplistic model and way. And so for me as a young man, Exactly. I just kind of just put my feet in and just started. And I think, because sometimes I'll read different business publications and whatever it might be, and I think, my gosh, these people make it sound so difficult. No wonder so many people don't have a go because they think you must have to have a, a, a uh, an MBA or a PhD or you have to be an IQ of 247. And most people who are really successful in business are just people who have a go. You know, they get out of the boat and they have a go. And, and often a lot of those people are successful because when you start young, you have a go. Like, for example, my kids have been on holidays with three of them for the last week and a half, um, gee, coming up to two weeks. And um, they've started their own clothing business just in the last couple of days. And I'm helping them with them and I'm explaining to them about, look, it's very simple, guys. This is what you need to do, but just make sure what are you sourcing your product cost for so that it's not costing you more than what you're going to sell it for and you have sufficient margin. But I can see that just such a simplistic business. My oldest son has just turned 14. There he is setting up a website for it and he's found suppliers for tracksuit pants and hats and thinking that's the simplicity of how easy it is to actually get something started. But again, as we get older and we get mortgaged and rents and school fees and car loans and all these other things, it only gets harder and we overcomplicate things. So, um, yeah, that's probably the first part of it, Neil, is just when you start young, you start simply. So for me, I just started by putting one foot in the water and, oh, that worked, and then I put another foot in and that seemed to work and that didn't work. And there's a saying out there in business called failing forward, and that's exactly how you run a business. You, I mean, I can tell you, this year, including this year, we're failing all the time. We launch things, it doesn't quite work. And, and, and sometimes it doesn't mean your whole company is failing. It just means that product idea failed to work, so you bring it back. And we have constant meetings about how to just... I, I say many times to my team and to my wife that I feel like I'm the guy walking around with a shifter in my hand and I'm just tightening that, that um, nut over there and I'm loosening that one over there and I'm just moving things around and just tightening and shifting and just constantly working on uh, on things. So... I probably haven't answered some of your question. I've gone a bit too far back. But I guess coming forward to how do you incorporate God into your business? Again, I think sometimes in the Christian world, we overcomplicate things and we try and look too deeply into everything. But 
for me, I live by one key motto, and that is work like it all depends on you and pray like it all depends on God. For me, it's as simple as that. I'm not looking for shortcuts. I am looking for my, my, my God and my creator to give me ideas, though I am looking for some divine, like, hey, why don't you go down that path? And hey, there's an opportunity there. But as soon as God gives me the opportunity, and, and there's another saying, opportunity comes dressed up as hard work. So every opportunity that I feel God saying, hey, look at this, look at that, you've got to be prepared to do the hard work. So as Christian business people, we have to be prepared to really work significantly hard and not just sit back and think somehow God's going to do it all for us. Now, you don't even have to be a business person to, to do that. If you would like to be a doctor, if you would like to be a PE teacher, it doesn't matter what you want to do in your life. You have to give it your all. You have to put the hard work in. You have to be willing to make some sacrifices in your life. And, and I think it's sad when we see Christians who think, yeah, yeah, don't worry about all that. Let's just wait because we're just passing through. We're passing through to to you know to the promised land and and that's very 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 true but but if we're just passing through then why did god give us why have we got the parable of the talents and why have we been given talents in the first place and my theology says you've been given talents because god expects you to do something while you're here he doesn't expect you just to go to prayer meeting after prayer meeting and bible study after bible study all those things which are good but he also has something for you to do with your life and I think it's the responsibility of every Christian to find what that is. It might be in a non-for-profit environment where you're helping the church with a clothing stall, but it might be a business person. It might be in, in, in ministry. Whatever it is, I believe you're meant to do it wholeheartedly. That to me. And that's where I think in, say, Christian business, maybe we've let the kingdom down a little because a lot of Christians might be first out the door or the first to, last to work or taking longer for lunch rather than really being the best and, and, and being excellent at, at what they do. Well, I know that there are so many listeners who are going to love hearing what you are talking about because when we talk about hard work as a principle, oftentimes we're trying to avoid that hard work. If we say, God is my partner in business, uh, he still expects us to work hard. But let me just pick up on something here, which I think uh, you've got a wonderful insight into, Matt. And this is the idea that you're a little bit more freewheeling than the person who is bound by their business plan or their strategic plan because when you say things are a little bit looser and you go with some opportunities that you recognize that God has his hand in those because sometimes the business plan and you know we can reflect on even the biblical foundation of Habakkuk uh, who says you know write the vision down and make it clear Mm. and so we create this sort of idea of a business strategy but if we have this business strategy, sometimes the business strategy is a good excuse to leave God out of the equation because we think, oh, we've got it all planned. Uh, what are your thoughts on this freewheeling idea uh, that you've really been begun to really just open up on? I think it's beautiful. Well, just uh, very quick, though, because we're about to go to news. Uh, freewheeling, yeah, sure. this, is, this is how you include God into the whole thing by not being completely gripped by the business plan. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it comes back to what I said before, work like it all depends on you and pray like it all depends on God. If you are going to your creator, and for me, honestly, I do it daily. I just about every morning say, God, where do you want me to go today? God, open the doors. God, just bring connections. You show me where you need me to be, where you want me to be. And then I will work 
a solid 10, 12 hours or whatever it takes and I will do the work it takes for us to do what we need to do. But if I know my creator is guiding me and opening those doors, I'm in, like the key, you've got to include him in your business. Something special, obviously, for you, Matt, but uh, described as, uh, as not a textbook-style business book. Uh, this is an interesting way to put it because it's telling your story, but it's telling a story which conveys a deep message about business. Matt, give us a little insight into what a book is that's not a textbook-style business book. Yeah, that's that's a, another good question, Neil, and <clears throat> I guess... Um, you know, like a textbook business book is you come up with a business plan, you go and find funding, you do everything kind of by the book, if you will, and you might bring in venture capital, you might go to the bank. Um, it, look, I guess I guess a standard business is, is a business that doesn't include God in it and the wisdom of God in how to start that business. So if I'm going to start a cafe, um, I, I don't have any, or any business for that matter, I don't have any way of looking at how that business might be run, but what my eyes and my mind can see. But when I invite God into the equation as a business person, he, I've then got the whole wisdom of heaven that can be just giving me a different way of doing things. That's, so it's, you know, the, the, the Christian message is such an amazing message, but it's only, but only for the people whose eyes are open. You know, so many people will look on and just go, I don't get it. I get what you guys do because their eyes are closed. But when your eyes are open and you're open up to God and the opportunities that he can bring, then I guess your whole life is not a textbook life after that, is it? It's a life that is being led by him rather than just by what your carnal thoughts and mind can see. Matt, let's take things a little deeper here because you had something pretty specific in mind when you started out in business. You wanted to have a debt-free vision. And for a lot of people, when they hear that, they say, well, when you're in business, sometimes that's unattainable. Uh, Is this something that you could say could be an aspiration for Christians in business? Uh, And I'm not uh, suggesting that you might sort of say there's a right and wrong in all of this, but uh, what are your thoughts and give us your impressions, your story about having a a vision for being debt-free? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I'm not a black and white person. And and as I mentioned in the book, the Bible has got the Ten Commandments and it says, love your neighbours, you love yourself. And uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. These are kind of non-negotiables about how you need to live your life. Then if you read the Word, most of it is then just wisdom and how, how it would be a better way to live your life. So if you go and borrow $2 million and you go and bring in venture capitalists and you have partners and you list on the stock exchange, is that unbiblical and is that ungodly? Not at all. So I tell my story without decided, like. I know there's one particular financial guy who says you can have no debt. And he, I read his book recently. And I thought, wow, it's a great book, but you don't need to be that hard on people. Everyone's got the right to do what they want to do with their money. You earn that money. If you want to go and buy a new house or take your family to, uh, to America or to Disneyland and it's going to cost you $20,000, you want to borrow the money, you have the right to do what you want to do. So for me, the no debt thing is certainly not a thing of saying to Christians in business, if you have debt in your business, then you are obviously not a good Christian person. Um, that would be so incorrect. This was something for me personally, and I guess, Neil, it came from a place of a lot of pain by this point. When I felt God moved me into this marketplace and I saw the opportunity that was in front of me, I'd been through some pretty tough times by this point in business. I had definitely some wounds. I'd been beaten up a few times. 
So by the time I got to this point, I was very excited by what I could see, but also very nervous thinking, oh, I don't know whether I can do this. You know, it's going to take a lot of courage and I'm not certain I can do this. So for me, a no-debt strategy is based on the fact that I want to rely on God and his ways of, of, of doing the business and funding the business without having to actually go to the bank or bring an investor or whatever it might be. So, so it, I, I must state there, it's a very personal thing. And there might be someone driving in the car right now and they've got a real estate business saying, hey, I've got a $100,000 overdraft. And that's not ungodly at all. Many businesses can't run without that. Um, so it's very personal that I feel like that was a thing for me not to borrow any money. Um, and not to ask for any money from the marketplace into, into what we do. So it was a very specific call. But to answer your question, I think everyone should be considering what they can do with their debt. Absolutely. That is just a good life principle that if you can be working to make sure you're paying your credit card off or don't have one, or you're putting your mortgage down, or you're saving money, or your business is paying back that debt and trying to get out of debt, I think that's always a good thing. I think we probably should all be try, always trying to get out of debt, not further into it. I, that's just a good life principle there and can save anyone a whole lot of heartache, Christian or not. Matt, I wanted to get into something which is quite interesting and deep too and includes really every listener, every single person who's listening to our conversation today because uh, so many of us, have this aspiration to do something great for God. And as soon as we say that, sometimes we try to limit ourselves by doing something which might be in a missionary cause or to do with our local church and the activities that go on in a spiritual sense. But there is this other dimension which you're into, and you had this aspiration to do something great for God and recognized that he was calling you into business. Now, your business has this connection, this alignment with his kingdom, with his mission. Uh, But give us some insights into the idea that someone might want to do something great for God and somehow or other limiting their scope because uh, they've got a limited way of thinking about what God thinks might be great. Yeah, I I think, um, yeah, it's it's funny you say that because here I am putting a book out and I'm actually right in the thick of the Christian marketplace. But, but, but honestly, my theology or my, my view would be no different if I was sitting here and I had a chain of real estate, um, like a, a real estate agency chain or I had a chain of cafes or a chain of whatever it might be. It would not make a difference. Or I might have a group of websites and advertising businesses, for example, but they're all out there in the marketplace and they don't actually serve the kingdom in any way, shape or form. That I don't believe for a second that you as a, as a presenter on a Christian radio station is more godly than the presenter who is down the road in a secular, a secular radio station but is a Christian. I don't believe I'm more godly because I'm in Christian media than someone else as a Christian who is in working at um, Bethax or, or Channel 9 or whatever you, 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 it might be. I think that's a really bad kind of sometimes wonder if, whether it's a lie from the enemy. I don't know. But just that whole thing of that you must be doing something in the church realm to be a holy person, I think that is just, you know, I, I, when you look at the church world and the ministry world in terms of employment, probably only 2 to 3% of Christians out there would be earning their income from some sort of Christian organization. Everyone else is in real estate, working in a school, in the bank, um, swimming teacher. It does not matter what you are, that is your place of ministry. And I think you're right. You're really limiting yourself if you think somehow your call must be related to being a pastor, 
uh, being in a, a Bible college, a Christian school. I mean, I know a number of teachers who work in the public sector in schools, and they believe that's their ministry to be out there helping a lot of those kids. And wow, I, I, in fact, sometimes I envy people who are out there in the mainstream world in any way, shape or form, because they've actually got more of a platform to go and talk to people every day. I mean, if you own a cafe and you're interacting with hundreds of people a day, and you're a Christian, you're touching each one of those lives, whereas the pastor might come along and get his coffee, but then he has to go off to the office, and he just sits there with two or four or ten or thirty other Christians. So absolutely, the people out there in the world, in the marketplace, have got a massive opportunity in front of them. And it could even just be with the colleagues that they're at work with. So I know my sister works at some cochlea, um, and she's able to, even in her world, able to have a massive input into... Um, into the women that she works with. And they all know she's a Christian. In fact, she and her husband are pastors as well. And a lot of these women will come to her when they're in time of need and they know where she stands. And yeah, that's, that's, that's in some regards, at least as much of a ministry as the church they run on the Sunday. What I can hear you say is that somehow or other, if you can understand and establish what God's mission is, what Christ's mission is, then it doesn't matter whether you're formally in a Christian ministry or whether you are functioning in a business community. Uh, everybody's on the same direction because this is the thing that gives us a certain focus, a certain direction, a certain uh, a way that we can point our lives. It's like a compass that points the right direction. Uh, there's something here that is something very special because, as you say, uh, those who are in business are no less in ministry than those who are in what we call the Christian ministry. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think one of the biggest ministries out there, in my honest opinion, is employing people. My gosh, if you are, if you are listening right now and you run any sort of business and you've got one part-time staff member or hundreds or whatever, that is a ministry in itself, in my opinion. The fact that somebody is giving jobs to other people out there is a very, very big deal to the society and to community. So, yeah, I think that is really wrong teaching to think that you've got to be working in, as we say, not-for-profit or in the church well to somehow be, um, you know, a, a good Christian person. And it is totally wrong to say that that guy who's got that real estate empire or that cafe empire is less spiritual than the person who's got the Christian book empire or, or whatever it might be. I just think that. I think, you know what, when it, all, when it all comes down to it, Neil, I think the number one thing is you stay in your own lane. And, and, and what does that mean? You work with the talents that God has given you. So you're not jealous of the person who's good at business if you're not, or you're not jealous of the artist, or envious might be a better word, not jealous, but you stay in the lane of what skill set God has given you. So you don't listen to this sort of thing and go, that's it, I'm going to sell up the house and go and start my own uh, childcare, because why? I don't know, I feel to do it. You work with what your skill set is already based, and I think that's the number one thing. As a Christian, you really need to know that that's why God gave you talents. So whatever you should be doing in your life, you should already notice that you already just seem to have a talent and a knack for that. So for me to go, Neil, after we get off this program, can I talk to you about being a radio presenter? Um, well, no, I don't think so. I've got no talent at it uh, and, unless God has spoken clearly. Then no, my lane is what I'm meant to do. Your lane is what you're meant to do. And if everyone stays in their lane and works with their talents, we would have a, a kingdom that would just have so many amazing people out there as an example, look at our Prime Minister now. You know, he is a, a, a born-again Christian, and there he is standing in Parliament still socking it to these people. Um, he's got a job to do, still doing what he's doing, but standing on, to, on and holding on to his faith. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we need. We need that in every market, in every industry. We need people who are strong Christians, 
know where they stand, but then they go off to work and they will have to hire, they will have to fire, they will have to cut someone's wage, they will have to make tough decisions. You know, we as Christians live in this carnal world. It's a very difficult world to navigate our way through and we can't run for the hills and hide and not employ people because one day we might have to sack them or, or whatever. We have to live in this world and, and, and try and make a difference in it. So the lawyer, the sports person, the school teacher, the prime minister, uh, the thing that every one of those has in common is that they may have a Christ-centred life. Uh, this has been an important concept for you, uh, Matt, as your business empire has grown dynamically. Uh, the idea of maintaining that Christ-centredness, uh, sometimes that's the challenge, isn't it? Yeah, look, it is. And, and I guess if I can say it, it, it's probably been easier for me than some because the Christian marketplace is not a defined market. So I, I, if I can be very, very you know, honest or forthright here, I've probably really had to lean on the Lord a lot more than maybe the guy in the real estate or the cafe business because our business is not very defined. You can't come and set up shops, for example, in the Christian marketplace and put your banner up and say, we're here and the business just naturally flocks in. Whereas I can move to Adelaide and lease out a corner store and turn it into a cafe and be running a business within a matter of days from an opening because people are coming in for a coffee and a muffin and whatever it might be. So I, I like this organization would never have even got to where it was without that absolute channel focus into hearing from God to where to go. But having said that, imagine if, the Christian in the real estate business, in the uh, the co- co- cafe or coffee business, is listening just as intently what what things they might be hearing from God that makes their business just stand out from the ones nearby. And yeah, I just when you when you put God in the middle of your life, everything works. Your family works. Your your marriage works. Your and that doesn't mean it works perfectly all the time, but it's amazing when God's right in the center of that world how things actually become a little bit effortless. You know, I look at business sometimes and I see people getting divorced and I see carnage. And I think, but if God's right in the middle of it and he's helping guide you with where to go, you know, he's far from a crutch. He's your helper. He's, he's, he's meant to be that. He's meant to be your helper. He's meant, we're meant to have him to, to guide us and, 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 and help us um, through. And, you know, I point to a scripture in Proverbs that I love that says, the God, Lord will give you a, a, a wealth that adds no sorrow. Now, I don't necessarily mean that's a wealth that means you have millions of dollars and you, you sit around laying by a deck chair in the, by the pool all day. But I believe that you can then have it. the sorrow. A lot of people have got a lot of money, but they've got a lot of sorrow that comes with it. You know, again, they can't, God can't open doors and bring opportunities to them. I like to operate in a way that people can look on and say, how did you do that, Matt? You've still got a very happy marriage. You've got four lovely children. You've got a smile on your face. How did you do it? And then I say, well... Glad you asked, because now I want to tell you. That's the kind of life that I want to lead. Now, my world obviously is involved with a lot of Christian people, but then my kids play soccer and dance and surfing, so we're involved with a lot of families in the community who know our faith, can look on at our life and watch where we're going. So we all have a massive opportunity to touch the kids at the swimming club or the soccer club or work or whatever it might be who have no interest in God. And all of us are just the only thing that points them to see what what he looks like. Matt, what is coming for the future now? Because 
it's nice to talk about the past. It's good to be able to identify successes and really love the way you talk about involving the creator in your decision-making and recognising that's his hand that's brought you to where you are. And as I mentioned a little earlier, more brands than we can name in the stable of your business, uh, magazines like Christian Woman or Soul Purpose, Inspired Business, Faith Reading and Red Music and uh, websites like MyChristianDaily.com, Arkhouse Press, uh, which is the publisher of your book. Uh, What is the future now? Are you into the process of acquiring more and more businesses, getting bigger and bigger and and being more effective in what you're doing? What are your thoughts for the future? Um, Definitely being more effective. I think that to me is the number one thing. I I, I don't have a hit list. I, I do not sit here and have a hit list of the different things that we would like to acquire or anything like that. Um, n- not at all. I think we just kind of just turn up each day, do what we do well, and wait for the doors to open. But certainly my vision, uh, pardon the pun, is to really see if we can just increase the, the awareness because m- m- the goal behind everything we do is to point what we do towards God. And, you know, I was talking to an author of ours who's a pastor only recently, and she was just uh, an author about 10 years ago, and she said, oh, how's it all going? And, you know, we were chatting, and she said... You know, Arkhouse really gives people a voice. You give a voice to, to people that don't have a voice. And I thought, I'd never thought of that before. You're right. If someone comes along and they need a book that's published, they've got a message that they want to get out into their marketplace, whether it's going to sell 100 copies or 10,000, you're creating a voice. So for me, I, I in media, anyone in media, I want to just sort of make sure that, that, that God doesn't get drowned out. And it feels to me like the media world is doing everything they can. The whole world is doing everything they can to drown out the voice of God. Uh, look at Christmas now. There's not even Jesus mentioned anywhere. You know, like, look at Easter. It's just Easter Bunny everywhere. And I think, um, for me, it's just being more effective. If that is acquisitions, then it will be. But if it's not, that's okay. So, but, but certainly the internet is throwing up lots of challenges. There's not a business out there, I don't think, that's finding the internet good and bad. We're certainly in that place of good and bad. So, yeah, we will continue to, we just have to continue to innovate, to be honest with you, to keep, to keep making it in this day and age. There's a lot of income, day and age, there's a lot of income streams change. And um, yeah, it's very, very much a changing world as anyone out there in business will tell you. Uh, you even have a website about uh, finding Christian jobs. Uh, there's mm. all sorts of things that are a part of the stable of what you do. Uh, I love the idea of creating a voice for people. And when you're a publisher, and I'll point people to the Ark House Press website, arkhousepress.com, uh, plenty of other uh, websites there to make connection with you, Matt. And I want to be able to let people know where they can get your book. And no doubt your book's available in all good Christian bookstores. Uh, but what's the easiest place, say, for listeners who are not near a Christian bookstore right now and lots of people listening mm-hmm. in very very remote locations all around Australia. Uh, where's the easiest place for them to get a hold of your new book? Yeah, sure. I mean, they can get it from Kurong, um, which obviously I'd say most of your listeners would have heard of. Um, I've got my own website as well, and you can buy it off there. It's called mattdancewan.com. Um, but Kurong's got it. If you Google uh, my name in the book, you'll find it on Amazon. It's on Booktopia. It's on Barnes & Noble and Book Depository, and it's on thousands of websites but certainly your market's probably more familiar with Kurong. Um, you can certainly buy it from there 
and you can certainly buy it from um, yeah from from my website as well. So yeah, there's, there's, if you Google my as I say my name and not business as usual, you will you will certainly get some um, get get the result for where the book is online. And uh, I think for listeners, uh, if you do Google Matt Danswan D A N S W A N, and uh, he's the CEO of Initiate Media. There's also a list there of all of the different publications that are a part of the stable of Initiate Media. So the new book is called Not Business as Usual. And as you can hear, you can get a hold of it wherever you can buy good Christian books. Uh, Matt Danswan, just wonderful getting your insights today. I want to say thank you very much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us. Uh, it's been an inspiring conversation. Really appreciate you taking time to talk to listeners today on 2020. Uh, Neil, thanks so much for having me. It's been, been great to chat. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.